0: Right here. Yeah, it's Welcome to an episode of Under the Dome, and um, hey, guess what? We gotta win this week. We what? Good time, we gotta win this week, and good times are upon us, because it's the only second week we've had uh, since the 2014 wait, wait, season, wait, 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 in the month, month of wait. September.
1: What? What? Wait a minute. Did, Did I you say we got a win or <laughs> we gotta win? No, we got a win for yeah. the
0: second time in the month of September since the 2014 season. So, good times are upon us. It was either this song or it was either this Song on the TV show theme song, but I picked this one instead because <laughs> We are on our way, in fact, right after we uh, demolished the Panthers, the uh, team left and went straight to London uh, to take care of the Miami Dolphins and smoking Jay Cutler, um, and we, uh, <laughs> we want to make it two and two going into the bye, so let's go by first introducing myself. Uh, I'm Alan Ulrich, your host, and my co-host here is Mr. Sean Williams. How you doing tonight, Sean?
1: Man, if I was any better, I'd have to be two people. How uh win uh, against a uh, as per our sponsors, a disliked division foe. I won't say hated. Um we did everything the Saints did everything against the Panthers that both Allen and myself have been saying since basically week two of the preseason. you got to come out. You've got to start fast. Your best success is not having to play from behind. The, the Saints came out in that opening drive. They held uh, big, in a big way, the sack that Cam Jordan got on Cam Newton, which brought back memories of the, uh, the, um, Guinness book of world records game in the Superdome several years ago that I was at, uh, Cam Jordan got a sack on Cam Newton, which basically ensured the fact that they would be kicking a field goal rather than going for it on fourth down the saints, immediately answered with a long touchdown drive, uh, highlighted several times by key passes from Drew Brees to uh, Michael Thomas. Basically, the, uh, the tone was set for the rest of the game, and I think that made a big difference. Everything that we haven't seen the Minnesota during the New England game early getting into a rhythm early getting out to an early lead and and reinforcing that lead defensively everything that we we've been saying all this time that needed to happen for the saints to have a fighting chance that we haven't seen in weeks one or two we saw in this carolina game now it wasn't uh wasn't nearly the perfect storm that everyone uh truly would love to believe that it was uh we have to be realistic and temper our expectations because i want to tell you uh with all due respect to our sponsors once again um are you watching what i watched of this carolina game carol excuse me carolina new orleans game played this past Sunday against a team that very well may be one of the few other 31 teams in the league that are in as bad a shape, if not worse shape than the new Orleans saints in the Carolina Panthers, Adjust your play calling to protect your quarterback, especially when you have a wide open high tempo, uh, read option type if you want to call it that offense based off of cam newton when you have to adjust that to protect your quarterback that never never works out very well from your standpoint especially when you take into consideration that you're only two playmakers beyond cam newton are two rookies Uh, Any defensive coordinator worth his salt in the National Football League is going to be able to on the fly isolate two playmaking rookies uh, for a long enough period of time that you can take the game over and control the narrative of where that game goes from there. But I digress. Uh, I got too wordy in all of that. I got excited. Hey, man. we have It's the first win uh, of the season. I, I got excited. Uh, I want to thank Fan First Productions for being our sponsor. Um, invite you guys to subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube. Uh, our subscribers are rising every week as we speak. I could be a songwriter again. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, we thank God for all of our fans and our followers that supported. us. You can follow us uh, on Twitter, at 79Saints, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Ulrich, uh, at Drew's Dad 3721, which is myself, mm-hmm. our director of social media, at JBPinto3, and... Collectively, we are under the dome P O one excuse me, at under the dome P O one That's our our show's Twitter account. Without any further ado, I, I want to take this opportunity to welcome our special guest tonight. She is the lead writer, Miami Dolphins for profootballspot.com, and you really should follow her work. Miss Brianna Taylor. Brianna, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing tonight?
2: Thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty good. Well, not I'd be better if the Dolphins would have won on Sunday, but
1: pretty good. I kinda like the way the game turned out, but you know, that's <laughs> that's just the opponent in me.
2: <laughs> well the team line the Jets, it should beat the Jets.
0: Yes, that, that, that's the yeah. eternal mystery. How exactly did the Dolphins lose to the Jets? Uh oh, who, is pro- who, who is probably the worst team in the National Football League. Um, I can't what, what's going on? What's going on with the Dolphins right now?
2: Oh, there's a whole lot that's going on. First, I mean, on often, she got a new quarterback that hasn't been on the team for more than a couple of months. Who apparently has the playbook down, but does not have the chemistry with the receivers or any other the tight ends. Um, the offensive line is ridiculous. There's literally there's no there's no time for Jay Cutler to even get the ball out because there are defenders coming at him as soon as the ball is snapped. Um, and then on the defensive side, there's the whole thing was. Lawrence Timmons or whether like whether or not he was going to be on the team or what was even going on with him. And the linebacker spot is already a thin spot for the team. And then we're not going to talk about the secondary. They, I don't know what Byron Maxwell and Alteron Werner were doing back there, but those Jets receivers were just running wild on Sunday. And specialty, I – I don't even know what to call that punter because <laughs> literally he averaged about forty, I believe it was like 46, 47 yards per punt. And what like what is what is that? I, I don't know if you I don't know if you guys watched the game at all, but they tried the most atrocious fake punt I've ever seen in my life. And then it got intercepted. It was, it was a mess all over the place. Like, Coach Gay said this morning, offense was garbage, but quite honestly, you could have applied that to the entire team. The entire team was just hot garbage.
0: And, and they've been on the road mostly, uh, most of the season, too, because they were on the road in New York to play the Jets, and right. I believe they left from the Jets game. They left to go to London, so they haven't been in Miami for a while.
2: I think I'm not sure if they went back to Miami or not after the game. I don't. I don't think they are on the plane yet to go London, uh, but I believe the assumption was that they would go back to Miami for about a day or so and then head over to London. I'm not sure though. I haven't seen anything today.
0: Well, you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, Timmons, Lawrence Timmons, and his uh, disappearing act. Where they for those who haven't been following the Miami Dolphins. You know, Basically, what happened was after the hurricane, and, you know, again, Miami didn't play week one, just like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't play week one because of uh, Irma. So after the hurricane, Lawrence Timmons, if I understand this correctly, left to go check on something and never returned. And the Dolphins had to send out the police to find him. And make sure he was still alive, that he was okay, and and bring him back. And they suspended him uh, week two. So, uh, you know, then they made the trade with the Saints, and they got uh, a draft bust from us, (laughs) and and Stephon Anthony brought him to Miami to kind of try and fix his linebacker problem. And I don't believe he played Sunday. I don't Uh, don't believe he played Sunday. I think Timmons was – Playing Sunday. No, Timmons didn't play. He didn't play. Okay.
1: No, no I don't think he really traveled with the team. Added, I think it, you may correct me on this, Fiona. Timmons was only added back to the active 53 man roster today, correct? Okay. Yes.
2: And he will travel with the team to London. So he didn't play on Sunday. You I believe okay. they suspended him sometime last week. Uh, I want to say Monday or Tuesday. And so he did not play on Sunday.
0: Okay, I, I'm just checking the schedule. Yeah, the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins have not been in Miami yet. They were on the road in uh, in the Fish Bowl in Los Angeles uh, for playing the Chargers, and then they played uh, in uh, in the field where football dreams go to die. Uh, they played in, in New York against the Jets. So, and now they're flying to London. Their first home game won't be until the following week after the Saints, because they lose a home game. The Saints the Saints are technically the road team in London, so uh, they don't play a a home game in Miami in whatever that stadium is called now. I still call it Joe Robbie. That shows you how old I am, but I mean, I I think it's
2: it was Land Sharks
0: it's Hard Rock, okay. It was Land Sharks Stadium, it was Sun Stadium, it was like every, every name in the world I think, and yeah. Uh, So they don't play their first home game until October 8th uh, in Miami. Um, So, yeah, so that's a tough road for a team that has a new quarterback, has got some issues on defense and struggling, and they they have been living out of a suitcase for over a month. Like I said, I
2: know they were able to, like, go home after the Chargers game to like check on make sure like their houses weren't flooded and all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure if they have been practicing in Miami at all. Um but I know they've at least gone back to do like that kind of stuff.
0: Right. Right. Um so on the on the offensive side, what is wrong with the offensive line? I mean you've got Larry Tunsell who was your first round draft pick uh two years ago I believe um you know they've got some they've got some pieces I thought on offense but you know Jli had a really good rookie season so you would think they could at least run the football and they just extended the contract of another ex- saint uh Kenny Stills you've got the LSU boy uh, uh Landry and um uh who's, he, who's the third receiver I can't, oh uh yes thank you thank you uh, who was another first-round draft pick um, uh, a year ago. Right. So it looks like you've got a lot of talent, including Charles Clay, the tight end. It looks like you've got a lot of talent, but it's just
2: not coming together. Right. And I I don't really know what it Well, at least on the offensive line, uh, uh, they moved Tunsell from – I don't remember. I believe they moved him from tackle to guard or mm-hmm. guard to tackle. I don't remember which one it was. But they moved him from his original place – to a different place, which apparently he played that position in college. Uh, but but he hasn't played in the NFL yet, and it doesn't seem to be going well. Um, I don't know how healthy um, the center, I mean, his name just left me right now. Pouncey. Yeah, I don't know how healthy he is. Um, he says he's 100%, but they've had a lot of, like, miscues as far as, like, false starts and the ball not being snapped on time, or and I don't I don't know what happened with Ajayi and being able to uh, run on Sunday because that was the one thing they could do against the Chargers. was mm-hmm. run the ball, the, like the passing yards weren't weren't really there, but the run game was what kept them alive in that Chargers game and this week. I don't know if it was the Jets defense or the offensive line just couldn't open up any holes for him, but he. I think they held him to like the fewest yards that he's been held to. And...
0: Sean, do you have anything?
1: I, I was just, I'm curious to, to ask Brianna. Word thus far as to. If any. Or I, I don't know if how is the proper word. Um, is. Is. Lofton looking to make an impact in London versus his old team. I, I, you know, thinking of it from a defensive coordinator standpoint, I would think that Lofton would have a full and unique perspective from which to, uh, to oppose Drew Brees and, and this Saints offense. Is there any, uh, any, Excuse me. Any talk whatsoever in how he maybe used, Saints in London.
2: I don't. I don't really know. And I. I mean. I, and I don't. I don't know if they even talk much about like how how they're going to use him against the Saints. Because um, I I think they've still been focusing on what what did they do wrong on Sunday. So I haven't heard or seen anything. at least today or
0: yesterday. Well, it seems like, uh, and there's another saying on the team too, Uh, we haven't even mentioned him, he was talking about the offensive line, Uh, uh, Jerome uh, uh, Bushrod, Uh Jerome Bushrod is on the, uh, is Jermon. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I could not speak. I could not speak to save my life, but Jamal Bushrod is uh, is also on the team, and he's playing a guard uh, instead of tackle. So, you know, there's three ex Saints on this team now, and uh, we have a, a former uh, GM of the uh, of the Dolphins in Jeff Ireland, who is now in charge of our. Uh, basically our draft. Um, He is a a player personnel director and he has done a very good job, at least for us in restocking the team. And it seems like the dolphins were getting some good drafts, but he was not a very good GM for them. I wonder how much of a, I don't know, revenge factor there is in this game uh, since most, you know, it's been a few years since Ireland was with the dolphins, but for players like Stills, Bushrod, and even Anthony, you know, how much of a revenge factor is going on where they want to try and show up the Saints where you made a mistake by getting rid of me. Um did Anthony play at all this past week?
2: No. He I don't believe I don't I believe uh I don't I think they started the rookie linebacker, I believe his name is Chase Allen. I don't yes. I don't think uh I don't think uh, he played at all, Anthony. I I don't remember seeing his name show up in any of the stat sheets or any of it. Yeah, I didn't see anything
0: either.
2: There was some, at least when the trade came out, that I know he hadn't played um, for the Saints at all this season, the first two games. Um, I don't know if he was still hurt. I saw something that he was hurt last season. Um. Mm -hmm. So and I I don't know what his status is for this game as well, if he will play or not, and if he does play, how they'll use him. But as far as like the other players, uh, Stills and, and Bushrod, I think especially for for a guy like Stills, there's there's a lot more on the line for him as a as a receiver as one of the guys that you actually see. Like an offensive lineman, you see him, but you don't really like. It's not a a sexy position, but the receiver like you have a chance to really go out there and show them. Basically, look look what I can do. Look what you let walk out the door. So, and Stills have has I think has more of a, a connection with Cutler than uh, Landry and Devontae Parker has a, has a good connection with him as well so far. So, I think Stills might might have a chance to have a revenge game against the Saints.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm, I was just looking at some of the stats uh, from uh, from the Jets game, and you know, they're not they're not pretty. The offense is one or twelve on third down conversions, Um, and against the Chargers, they were five or thirteen on third down. Mm -hmm. Um, They've scored only two touchdowns in two games. Uh, They didn't get a first down rushing the football. you know, and, and I, last week before the before the um, Panthers game, I was telling the, our guest who represented the Panthers, um, I was telling him, I said, you know, if your offense is struggling, have we got the cure for you in the New Orleans Saints defense? Yeah, do that again. When you did that last I, week, it worked out I really so. well. I, I think so. Because, Go ahead. Honestly, we were putting up those kind of statistics offensively in the first two games against the, um, the Patriots and the Vikings, where we were settling for field goals of touchdowns. We would only scored two touchdowns all season. And then here we come out against the Carolina Panthers and explode breeze throws for three TD passes. We have an additional rushing TD. Um, and our defense, surprise, surprise, Gets not only one interception, but it got three interceptions and four sacks. And for Saints fans who have been starving for a good defense for decades, it seems, you know, we were just like, oh, my God, what is this? I don't recognize this. When I wrote my review of the game, I said, you know, going into that game expecting to lose, it's a lot like – putting on a jacket you haven't worn in a while, sticking your hands in the pockets, and finding $20 in it. Man, that's a good day. That's really great. You lucked out. So I don't want to make it sound like we've turned the corner and we're on a roll, uh, but in the past, teams that were looking to get healthy and get things fixed really quickly, seem to find that magic when they play against the Saints. So when I'm reading these statistics of 1-12 on third down conversion, only two touchdown passes, I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Jay Cutler's just going to go off on us. This is when JLI is going to suddenly discover the running game and we can't stop anything. So, yeah, y'all got the weapons, it looks like, to to give us a challenge. The, the question have is Have you
1: ever considered the, the possibility that maybe if you keep inviting disaster, it will come yeah, right in? Right. That, I'm going to sick of my <laughs> suspicions. My, <thought>. my superstitions.
0: <laughs> you know. It, <laughs> because if, I'll be honest with you, if JLI gets, uh, gets going and we have a hard time stopping the run, that just opens a playbook up for. Um, for Jay Cutler to stop the play action passes and start getting seams in our zone, our poorest, very poorest zone defense, uh, start making plays. Uh, So the key I would think in this game is for the Saints to stop JLI early and make Cutler beat you. Because Cutler, once he gets on a streak of bad throws and he gets pressure, you know that's a good thing for for the opposition, and I think that's what you saw happen to him in the in a Jets game when they couldn't get the running game going, and Cutler was forced to make plays with his arm, and Cutler just feels like he can throw sling that ball anywhere, and uh, that's just not a good combination for them.
2: Well, and I think there was a stat, and I believe it came from when he was on the Bears, but basically, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but Cutler's uh, accuracy goes way down when he's under pressure, and so if you can get enough pressure on Cutler consistently, he's gonna lose it. Like his his QBR goes to the garbage. Like it just goes down the drain. He's he's useless if you if you get pressure on him. But if you can keep the pocket clean and give him time to throw, he can actually do something. So I think. If the Saints defense is able to muster up some pass rush and stop Jai from running loose, then you've got a good chance of stopping the Dolphins. But I think on the, on the opposite end, that the Dolphins are going to have to deal with is Drew Brees basically just carving up that secondary. That secondary gave, uh, I believe, 300 yards. And that was total, not just passing, but 300 yards to the Jets. To the Jets. They're, I mean, <laughs> Curse is a good receiver. And they got lucky that they were able to trade for him from Seattle. But after Curse, who else? You got Jeremy Curley, who did pretty well on a, on a terrible 49 ers team last year. Um, I can't even tell you their third wide receiver. And so you let that offense put up 300 yards. Imagine what Drew Brees can do against that offense. Drew Brees, who is consistently the passing leader of the entire NFL. So I'm pretty nervous about what that secondary is going to have to go through on Sunday.
0: Well, they're going to definitely need their their long spikes for that field, or the pitch, as they call it, in uh, in Wembley, uh, because – This is a soccer field they're playing on. So the grass is a lot longer. It's a lot softer than it is a regular natural surface in the NFL. Um, It's almost like playing in, if you're a golfer, it's almost like playing not quite in the rough, but you're playing on a softer field before you get to the yeah. green where the ball bounces funny and it gets, it gets funny rolls and that kind of thing. It slows it down a lot more. Right. Um, and I think the receivers have to keep that in mind when they make those quick cuts and quick breaks that, the, that, you know, the field could give way and you slip and fall down, leaving, you know, your passing, especially because both Cutler and Breeze, uh, like those timing routes you know, you're going to get those passes that could, if a receiver falls down, those are easy interceptions. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really critical for both teams, I think, to get the running game going. Um, we saw life from uh, Mark Ingram uh, yesterday uh, Sunday. Uh, he was our leading rusher. Uh, but also, Peterson seemed to have found – a niche in this audit offense now. he even, He's at least seemed to accept the idea of, okay, you're not the 20-carry guy anymore. <laughs> You'll probably get between 8 and 10 carries a game uh, kind of just to shake up, you know, give Ingram a breather and then come uh, with the Saints playing with the lead. Alvin Kamara can now kind of fit in a lot better as a multi-purpose weapon. Right. So, yeah, that that's all things that, you know, if we're playing with the lead, it looks really good. If the Jets – I Jets, the Jets. If the uh, Dolphins get up on us early um, then and we're playing from behind, then it kind of shrinks the playbook for Peyton and becomes much more of a passing-oriented game. Right. Which even with the Dolphins' struggles, that still makes it a lot easier for the secondary to play when they know what's coming. Right. Well,
2: you're lucky because also the Dolphins' defense hasn't been that good against the run. I mean, they they – Pretty, they got a good handle on Gordon's in. San Diego. Anymore. I keep almost saying San Diego.
0: Oh, uh, me too. Me too.
2: <laughs> and then did pretty well with, with the Jets running backs. I, I I don't really know why Forte is still in the league, but he is. And uh, Blau Powell was able to get some yards. He got a touchdown. So they they had some up and downs with the running game. So depending on how the, how the Saints decide to use their very diverse running back core. That could also be a, a point of attack that the Dolphins just can't handle.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I
2: see very negative on the Dolphins this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's it's gonna be tough because, you know, I really think the Road Warrior aspect is really wearing this team out. The Saints went through a lot of this in two thousand five and this is something I told the um with Tampa Bay guests when we did our season kickoff show. At the hardest part about a hurricane hitting your area uh, and disrupting football teams' thrive on uh, routine and have a hurricane come in and disrupt that routine mm-hmm. really messes with, you know, how a team can kind of get ready. And this was the first game of the season. So right. you lost a home game that will get played until the end of the season you're on the road for two weeks, you you know, you're worried about your home, but you also got to focus on playing football. And even though you played two, which should have been pretty good easy teams for you to match up with to start your season, you can see they're really not in sync yet. You lost Tannehill for the season. Uh, so you brought in a retired Jay Cutler in to come in. I wonder how soon before the Dolphins would go to a Matt Moore, um, possibly to just to get the offense continues to struggle, just something to kind of get some rhythms some consistency in the offense.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I saw some fans calling for Matt Moore on Sunday. So I don't really know, at least as far as on a coaching level, when they would pull that trigger and decide, okay, let's go to Matt Moore. Especially since like Cutler is Gase's guy, like, that was the whole sell on why they signed Cutler over. Most people felt as if they should have brought somebody like Kaepernick in, um, but that was that was the sell that Cutler worked with Gase in Chicago as an offensive coordinator, and he had one of his best seasons under Gase. So let's bring him in to work with this mm-hmm. again, right? And 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 it's really the the timing is going to give the benefit of the doubt here because he got to the team in August. Tannehill unfortunately mm. got hurt during training camp, and so whoever you were going to bring in from the outside was going to have a learning curve of. We don't have that much time. Here's the offense. Here's these guys you got to throw to. Get to know them. Establish chemistry as fast as you possibly can, because regular season's are around the corner. I personally, I personally thought that they should have given more a chance because he knows these guys. He's been with the team already. He got them to the playoffs after Tannehill got hurt last season. Mm-hmm. So why not go with more in the first place? Maybe bring somebody in as a backup just in case that doesn't work out or Moore himself gets hurt. But I thought more should have been the option. Obviously it didn't feel that way. Other people felt that felt opposite as well. So they went with Cutler. But I don't know
0: how fast they pulled the trigger on Cutler. I, I would not be surprised, especially um, if they really struggle in in London, yeah. that at some point it, it, if the game gets out of hand, you know, let's just say worst case scenario for Miami, you know, the Saints are up 34-3 to 3 or some ungodly number like that. You know, they would like go that, to That's what <laughs> you did. But I'm just saying, you know, I would not be surprised to see them pull the trigger and just go ahead and put more in and possibly even think about starting him the following week for the home opener, just be just to get something going. Now, if, if it's a back-and-forth game uh, where, you know, Cutler's making some plays but also, you know, missing some stuff, then maybe they might stick with him. But, you know, I, I would think that Case is going to have to get this offense jump-started at some point. Um
2: It'd have to be something that like happened down in Houston with uh, Tom Savage, basically.
0: Right. Exactly. It'd
2: have to be disastrous. Interceptions, fumbles everywhere.
0: Exactly. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Sean, do you have anything to add?
1: <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that both the New Orleans Saints and for that matter, I, I guess to a certain extent, uh, Brianna could probably speak more to this than I could. But to a certain extent, also the Miami Dolphins are facing a turning point at only season. Uh, excuse me, at only week four of this young NFL season, you can step into the step into the role of what it is that you want your to become or you can just kind of sit back do what you do and allow that season to come to you and dictate to you exactly what your fortune slash future whatever however you want to look at that Mm -hmm. both the saints and the dolphins have the i want i don't want to use the word um Unique, But uh, you, both teams have the opportunity to step into the role of, so to speak, because at, at least speaking in terms of the the Saints' perspective, you have the Atlanta Falcons, which basically uh, through three games of the season look like they haven't lost step when they appeared in the Super Bowl.
0: Hmm, I wouldn't go that far. They
1: lost. Yeah,
2: they've been a little
1: shaky. Uh, here's the thing.
0: Here's the thing I about Atlanta. About this here's the thing. Here, let me just interrupt <laughs> for a second. Here's the thing about Atlanta. Atlanta is basically two calls away, or a call and a drop pass away from being one and two. The Bears gave right, the, exactly. the Bears gave the Falcons all they could handle, and if that receiver could just hold on to a football – they scored a touchdown, yeah. game-winning play.
2: Absolutely. On, like, all I completely players,
1: agree
2: with it. If they it. come up with that touchdown on one out of four tries, yep. the Falcons lose. And then on, yep. on Sunday, <clears> if the refs don't, don't screw up that call, I mean, however, however you want to see it, if his knee was down or not, they called it a touchdown on the field.
0: Yeah.
2: And then yeah. back and said, oh, no, it wasn't. It says we were wrong take right off.
0: Game's over. Yeah. And last year the Falcons were blowing out teams. Um, last year they were taking it two teams. Um yeah. so it they're not quite the same team as last year. They are getting some breaks, and they're you know, and it's partially they're making their own luck, but they are getting some breaks early in the season. So I, I'm not saying that they're not a good team. But what I am saying is eventually that kind of stuff kind of evens out after a while. And if they can – if they start having some critical injuries, and I think I saw – he's probably going to play this weekend anyway, but I thought I saw uh, Julio Jones get injured in that Detroit game. Um, Julio if he Jones, misses- I,
1: I have Julio on my fantasy team, and I can tell you Julio Jones has not made a single – Full this- season – this is a yeah. blanket term, but I'm going to say this. Julio Jones has not made a significant contribution towards any of the three victories that the Falcons have on this young season. He is at best a non-factor in a receiving corps right. that is, for has- all practical intents and purposes, being led by Mohamed Sanu at this point.
0: Exactly, but Mohamed Sanu is not your number one receiver. Mohamed Sanu is benefiting from no, the fact that no. defenses are paying attention to Julio Jones. Right. Uh, if you take Julio oh, Jones hey, wait, off the that field, be
1: cognizant of where yes, Julio yes. Jones is on that field because right. he is absolutely the game breaker that you can keep well, shut come- out of the game for fifty nine. Minutes and 45 seconds, and that 15 second window at the end of regulation can cost you the ballgame. Right. The coverage is That very forward. easily can be Julio Jones. Yeah, the coverage is they rolling towards Jones' side.
0: To because the coverage is rolling to Which Jones' side They're taking the exactly. Yeah, they're, they're going to take Julio Jones away thinking they can beat you, they can They can handle Sununu and. Uh, and Gabriel Wilson is actually playing very well, benefiting from that. He is a great number two receiver, but if you make him the number one guy, and he has to carry a team, I think Atlanta has some problems um, because he will be eliminated with just single with double coverage.
2: Right.
0: Julio Jones, even with double coverage, can beat that. So Nunu can.
2: Yeah, but Still won't work.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you saw that in the, in the uh, Super Bowl. I mean, he's in. You know, Bill, Belichick always takes away your best receiver, and he's still making plays. So I mean, it, it's it's just Atlanta's got a lot of has had a lot of good breaks early in the season. That's not to say they're not a good team, but they're not the offensive juggernaut that people thought they were going to be. And the very fact is, we only have two, three, and no teams right now. We have Kansas City and we have um, uh, Atlanta. And Kansas City is one of those teams that looks great in the regular season, but in the playoffs, especially with Andy Reid and Andy Reid's reputation in the playoffs, you know, (laughs) it's only a matter of time before they they manage to blow it. And it's a shame. I like Kansas City, I like the way they play football, but they never. Play that
1: they're, they're way in the playoffs. Oh, I know.
0: They'll agree with me. They know. They <laughs> went through Marty ball.
1: They know. Oh, but by the, know. the way, by the way, before I forget, um dead birthdays today, as a matter of fact. Uh the guy that that uh toiled under me at pro football spot for years. Uh may he, he was uh, every bit the difference maker, him to be. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, you're a godsend, and I'm blessed to call you a friend. And Elisa Randolph uh you know who you are. You're awesome. Happy birthday, Jackson. Who that talks, man? Uh, you're the voice of reason more often times than not around you in that group me and gauge exactly how much of a uh compliment that is uh scooter edwards my former brother-in-law love you man happy birthday uh and on that note uh i want to uh Brianna and say uh, thank you so much for being a part of our show tonight. There again, on air, I I want to apologize to you for, uh, I would love to be able to say the lack of communication, but there really was no lack. Uh, You guys have no idea the extent that this young lady went to to be a part of our program tonight. And I want to thank her so very much for uh, doing that. Uh, Brianna, would you tell all of our followers exactly how they can follow you in your work, please?
2: All right. So you can follow me on my personal Twitter at crazy Brianna. And it's spelled C R A Z I E and Brianna B R I A N uh, N A. You can also follow the Miami Dolphins pro football spot page. Which is, I believe, spot underscore dolphins. Um, and that's where all of the dolphins coverage will be. And after the dolphins hopefully kick the Saints' butts in London. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: strong. legit. That was legit. We are to swallow water. <laughs> yeah. Big applause for J. Smoking Jay, Smoking Jay Cutler, my favorite memes of all time. Um, thank you, Brandon, for coming, uh, being on the show. We uh, really appreciate it. Would love to have you back on. Um, unfortunately, you're not in our division, so. But uh, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you back on. Uh, you know, to talk more about you know what you what you saw at the Dolphins, and maybe some. We might even get you to come in because we play the AFC East um, this year. Uh, get you to come back in to uh, talk about, maybe talk about the Jets or the Bills if we can't uh, get anybody on that. Uh, just get your take of those two teams. I mean, the Jets are a rolling dumpster fire, so I can't imagine anybody coming in to really
2: like, go, pump know, the Jets that. up. <laughs> well, they, you know. yeah, if, you ever, if you ever need someone to talk, I know, I know the Saints don't play the Raiders this year, but I do follow the Raiders because I live in California. My My Twitter bio says a uh, Raider fan in my spare time,
0: and
2: so if I ever need anybody, they lost terribly on Sunday as well. Yeah, I'd be happy to come on and
0: talk about them. Yeah, they've got a lot of expectations on them this year. It's you yeah. know, it's a young it's a young team, so they're playing like a young team right now. I like I like a lot of the guys in the Raiders. Do I like Derek Carr? I like the receiver um, from Alabama who. I just. I'm Amari Cooper. Cooper. Amari Cooper. Yes, thank you. I just had him a second ago, but Amari Cooper, I like him a lot. Um, I think Marshawn Lynch is going to help them in the playoffs, but they've got to kind of figure out who they are right now with Lynch on their on the team, yeah. um, because I think they're more of a speed team, and Lynch kind of slows them down a little bit uh, when they try and run a lot of power plays with Lynch. So it, much like with Peterson. They kind of have to figure out their identity right now and how they're gonna use him and incorporate that little speedy back a lot more. So, quick, but, yeah, we um, love to have you back.
2: How how do you guys think that Peterson is gonna fit in this offense? Like he's he's the he's the like the, the twenty thirty plus carries guy, and the Saints have never really been a run first offense. Like I think and it's, how long is he gonna last?
0: Yeah, I think you saw it. First off, Peterson has to realize he's 32 years old, and he, he's not a 20-back, 20 20-carry 20 back anymore. But I think you saw how he's going to really be used against the Carolina Panthers, and I think you'll see him like, a lot like that against the Dolphins. The ideal position for Peterson is to come in for three or four carries in the first half, let the Saints kind of build their lead up. Then in the second half, when you're going to run the ball – when everyone knows you're going to run the ball and you've got to get those first downs, that's when Peterson will start getting the bulk of his touches because that's when the defense is tired because they've been chasing after Drew's receivers all day. Uh, you've got Kamara in there kind of you know, spreading that defense out. Now we're going to pound you with a fresh back, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, we're, going to, we're going to hit you with uh, Mark Ingram inside and outside. So it's going to be a lot more like that. And I think that's what you didn't see against New England and against Minnesota because they fell behind so early. Um, So we'll we'll see how this goes, but I think that's where he really fits in. Um, That's traditionally how Sean Payton has liked his running game. He likes to score early, build up a big lead, get his defense, get some turnovers, and then um, once he's got that lead, start running that clock by pounding you with the running game. So we'll see if this works. That's their formula, but we'll see if it works. Yeah,
2: because I was kind of scratching my head in the off season when the when the news came out that the Saints were signing AP. Mm-hmm. I was like, "The know. Saints
0: are not that kind of team." I know, <laughs> but it was one of those things. Peterson really wanted a job, and unfortunately, no one was really interested in him uh, yeah, because not- that's that that's the new NFL. they not you know they not really interested once you get to hit 30 as a running back, you know, they kind of figure mm, there's just not much tread left on the tires, uh, no matter uh, how well you took care of your body. So, you know, it was kind of like, take the offer from the team that seems to be interested in you right now. And I think that's how Peterson right. ended up with the Saints. Um, but, um, yes, thank you very much. Uh, we're we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the game on Sunday, Sean. Um, what happened? What what happened on Sunday? I think what happened
1: for the Saints... There was a serious twist of fate where it's parted. Um, everything kind of lined up <laughs> in, with the sun, and it was all said and done. Red Saints 34, Panthers 13. Uh, I don't care how we got there. I don't care why we got there. <laughs> But the the point is that W. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think. All jokes uh, the biggest thing, as I alluded to earlier, the Saints came out fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They were put on defense initially at the get go. They were put on defense uh, for the opening kick. They. They allowed Carolina to march down the field on the ground uh, with Jonathan Stewart, and Christian McCaffrey, who I got to say this for my own my own peace of mind. Uh, Chris McCaffrey is going to be a stud and a star in this league. If they don't uh, kill him before that point, uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to be a star in this league. He showed me absolutely nothing but 150% desire, ability, and the perfect storm of his uh, qualities combined, much like his old man. Uh, Of course, I'm an old slot receiver by trade, so, you know, I I, (laughs) – You're a quarterback.
0: Yeah, here. here's the thing. Uh, first off, Mike Shula has to figure out what kind of team he wants to be. Um, there this, is the, that. The, the origins of this defeat started with practice that, that week, with Cam Newton not practicing Wednesday and Thursday because of his shoulder, his ankle, his leg, his elbow, all those injuries he's had. Uh, secondly, they lost uh, his safety blanket, Greg Olson. And then Calvin Benjamin went out with a knee injury in that uh, first quarter. So, yeah. they, you know, they want to be able to push the ball down the field. They're going to stretch you a little bit with the tight end with Benjamin. And they're also going to pound you inside and outside with the running backs. And that's kind of how they started this game out. They were going inside and outside with, with McCaffrey and with uh, Stewart. And then once you know Cam Jordan got that sack, it sort of changed everything because he lost his matchups. He, he liked to uh, what Cam Newton likes to see is the matchups of the big Craig Olson and big uh, Kelvin Benjamin against the cornerbacks, and you kind of uh, you can kind of dictate the coverage, spread the team out a bit, and then Cam can run with the ball or he can dump it off down to McCaffrey. When that field shrunk, once it became – once they got in the red zone, when that field shrunk, now Cam Jordan got kept in the pocket. He doesn't have his mismatches on the outside. And he had to hold the ball longer to wait for Funches and some of those other receivers to come open. That didn't happen. He got – well, of course, no one even blocked, I think, Cam Jordan in that play. But it didn't happen. Cam Jordan gets sacked. They don't – they can't run the ball – well enough because the field shrunk in the red zone that, you know, now they have to set up with field goals on defense. Carolina's got no pass rush whatsoever. And they struggled stopping the run. Once you started moving Thomas Davis, who left the game also with a rib injury and Luke Keekly, you started moving those guys around and then they forgot, I guess, Michael Thomas was the Saints best receiver. Uh, Breeze starts hitting Thomas in the dead spots in the zone. You know, so you know, Carolina before they realized it, Saints are up seven nothing, then I mean seven three, then fourteen three. Then the to me, the backbreaker to me the backbreaker was the big interception by PJ Williams. Full extension gets yeah. that ball up. You know, and yes. now the Saints are once again in business inside uh, I think they were inside the thirty. And uh,
1: he doesn't get the just, uh he, he doesn't get the points for style that uh, Marcus Williams did on his pick. I, I give him full credit. Um, pick <coughs> discussed off air. That was the absolute difference maker because that was a point where score could have very much potentially a game and it swung the other way and it put it further out of reach for the it Panthers. Seven,
0: I believe if I remember right, it was seven, six at that point. Uh, Carolina just scored a field goal. The saints went three and out punted them deep, uh, and Carolina, uh, Thursday interception the very first play. And then, then, then like two plays later, I believe it was Coleman's touchdown. So it's 14 to six. All of a sudden that changes the dynamics of the game. Then, uh, the Saints, of course, take that ball at the end of the. And this is why I love the Saints. And this is something to watch for again. I, I think I posted this in the nine chat. Um, but when the Saints lose or defer the kickoff to the second half, they get the ball in the second half and they score at the end of the first half. I don't know the exact stat, but I want to say it's something like 33-1 and is their record, or 33-2 and is their record, Uh, because I know the 2009 season, almost every game we lost a toss, and we ended up getting the ball in the second half. And I think most of the 2011 season was that way, too. So it's some ungodly number like that, where the Saints score right before halftime and then score again on the opening drive of the second half. Um, their record, their win-loss records, unbelievable. Uh, so when you saw that happen in Carolina, that's really what put that game out of reach. It was seventeen to six at halftime. And then all of a sudden, twenty-four to six, and you're, you know, now, now has got to throw the running game out of the playbook, and they have to throw the ball to get the ball, uh, get at least a touchdown to do something. You know, and, and that makes it a lot easier in your defense because you can rush the passer a lot more. You can keep the receivers in front of you, and you can force turnovers, which, of course, the Saints ended up getting. Uh, so, yeah, that, that to me, that's everything that went right in that game. Every, the ball went right. Uh, the, they got the sacks when they needed them. They got the interceptions when they needed them at critical moments. And uh, to me, the best part of the game is looking at Cam Newton going full E.T., with the towel over his head, sitting on the sideline, pouting, you know. I'm happy, I'm happy with
1: that.
0: I'm always happy. When, when Cam
1: goes ET, I'm happy. That's a good game for us. Um, Call me the less than materialistic member of the broadcast group here, but um, the only thing that matters to me is at the end of the day, you they did not – it's which in the grand scheme of things tends to matter more at the end of the run than it does right now. I, I can tell you this, that if the New Orleans Saints do not go into London and handle their business versus the Los Angeles Rams, um,
0: you mean I it's going to be,
1: it's, excuse me?
0: You mean the Miami Dolphins, not the Los Angeles Rams. that That's what I said. Uh, oh, okay. I hear you. I hear you. Uh,
1: if they don't go into London against the Miami Dolphins, which is what I said a while ago, uh, don't bother rewinding. I, I'm telling you. Anyway, going uh, to London and handle their business, uh, so to speak. It's for nothing. Uh, Everything that you went through, everything that you did, everything that you accomplished against a hated division opponent in their house basically is for naught. If you don't... uh, Now... You have to allow that... Two has painted you into a corner... If you don't start out, okay, you that first W. If you don't follow that up by getting another W in London, then you haven't really accomplished a whole lot because you're you're facing a bye week, which a bye week is like uh, delaying the inevitable, so to speak. But at the same time. By week at two and two, you're looking at a completely different season. And then division, time to get to business and get to work. The this New Orleans I, I told people I I I can't stress this enough. Over and over and over and over to New Orleans Saints team prior to going into uh, Carolina on Sunday this is not as bad a team as what we have seen against the Vikings as what we've seen against the Patriots and still the fin- in the final analysis all that matters is the final record 1-0-2 Okay, they, they went out against the Panthers and showed what they could do. Fine and good, but if you don't follow that up and handle your business, then it's for nothing.
0: Yep. You you a two and two record going into the bye versus a one and three record is you know, it's huge. Uh, it's a it's a it's a season changing moment because you go down you, you, with a two-and-two two record, it's almost like you just hit the reset button and you're starting to get an 0-and-0. 0 0, 0 and 0. Uh, it makes those first two games seem kind of the – I don't want to say to be the odd performance, but makes it look like, okay, we got our feet under us now. Now we're ready to really play football. Those were more like two – games that were – we were still kind of in that practice mode almost. And I don't want to delegitimize behavior of that those two games because they exposed a lot of serious problems. And clearly Carolina, even though they were 2-0, was a, very, was a fraudulent 2-0. And I'm going to say it. They were fraudulent 2-0. You know, they were not – this was not um, a team like Kansas City. This was not a team like Atlanta or a team that had a – you know, the Vikings or the – or the Patriots, which had good offenses and, in and, and the Vikings' case, a good defense, too. Um, these were teams that were, you know, Carolina had a lot of things exposed, a lot of problems that, we, that they saw in the first two games that were kind of covered up because defense was able to make plays. In this case, yeah, the Saints coming off and beating teams they should be able to beat in the Panthers, a weak Panthers team and a struggling Dolphins team that has not played at home yet, um, you have to beat the team that you're supposed to beat, just so you can get better to play the good teams and beat the good teams. If that makes sense. Um, if you're struggling with the teams that you should be able to beat, talent-wise, you're going to struggle all season. And then once again, we're going to be going through that whole game, whole scenario where. We fight, we fight, we fight, get to 500, then we lose. And then we fight and fight and fight, and we lose again. Now we're two games under 500. we got to fight getting back to that 500. That's been a pattern uh, since 2014. We are constantly trying to spend so much energy to get to 500. You can never get over 500. And I want to enter that buy at 500 and then – when we come out uh, – uh, I just hated it a second ago uh, who we play the week after the bye because I'm kind of like the team, you know, it's one week at a time. Um, I think we play either Buffalo – no, we, I think we play Detroit. Yeah, we play Detroit right after we get out – right after we come out of the bye. So you're going to be facing a good Detroit team. They're at, home. They're at home. You know, the same thing at home, but you're playing a good Detroit team You need to be at 500 and let people get healthy and get a lot of confidence so you can go face a good Detroit team that should have won last week against Atlanta and be able to, you know, uh, have a good chance to beat that team.
1: I agree completely. Once again, we want to thank Breonna Taylor for joining us tonight Representing the Miami Dolphins for ProFootballspot.com. Uh Brianna what you wanna impart on us? Well, I think
2: the Saints have a good shot of getting at least at least second place in the division. Uh, I don't know how they're gonna do against Tampa Bay or Atlanta, but mm-hmm. they got they got a good chance that they continue to play how they played against the Panthers. I don't know what the Panthers are going to be or what they're going to do, um, but I think the Saints have a good shot at being able to come at least in second in the division. Uh, exactly. Uh, I don't. I don't know how feasible playoffs are because the NFC, as a conference, is kind of stacked. But to try to, to get a good absolutely. footing. Absolutely. Itself,
0: Absolutely. Well, and I think if the Dolphins uh, end up going to Michael Moore, uh, Michael Moore, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Matt, Matt Moore, Michael Moore is a fat slob. Matt Moore is a quarterback. <laughs> and if we can get, if you can get uh, Matt Moore,
1: so much, Moore, for, the, so much not, for the apolitical stance we've been, hey, we've been taking. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> telling. He call himself a
0: fat slob. But anyway, Matt. They go to Matt Moore. Uh, I think they can kind of get their feet under them and start making some plays because he has some familiarity with the offense. I don't want it to start this week against the Saints in London, but I'd like to see the Dolphins, especially, I, I, I want to see the Dolphins beat the Patriots. Uh, I, they need to beat the Patriots.
2: I don't know how that's going to happen if they can't even, you know,
0: I know, I know. It'd just be nice to see.
2: You, you can't even score Fairly, a touchdown against the Jets. Maybe he
0: gets set up by the Patriots playing like that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's tough because, you know, I I get so burnt out on the Brady is the goat stuff. And I'm like, you play in division where basically you go win, win, win. Oh, look, we get him again. Win, win, win. You know, I mean, you're not – it's not like they're playing – I hate to say it, but it's not like they're playing in the NFC South where you've got four teams every year that are jockeying to either win the division or the team that's the worst team in the division still has a good team. Right? You know, it's not we're not the five of the uh, four of us are not picking in the top five every year in the NFL draft.
2: Um, it's,
0: so anyway, it is
2: an easy division for the Patriots to just take over and win as many games as they feel as they. Yeah. they're not like the nfc sounds like you said they're not like the afc west it's another good division not mm-hmm. even the nfc east where you've got the redskins the cowboys the giants you know they look bad uh and the Eagles coming up like but the patriots don't have any competition in their division so i as much as i don't want to say that brady is the goat because the Raider fan side of me that hates it because of the Tuck World game won't let me, <laughs> but it's just, it's just like the level of competition that he gets every year. is pretty low.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you again for joining us. And um, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the show and we, uh, we're going to, um, wrap it up here Sean give me last thoughts
1: uh yeah actually uh there was one um and if you guys would indulge me um i want to say this not as a member of the under the dome family uh slash whatever This is a fan of professional football in general. um, I'm not going to, I, I think that it, as a professional sports journalist, I think that it's irresponsible to not acknowledge the great big white, or excuse me, great big pink elephant in the room over to my right. Bottom line, all, I, I've been a football player. I'm 49 years old. I've been a football player for probably 42, 43 of those years. My football has been something that has brought people together. It has been something that the brainiacs, the geeks, the whatever um, socioeconomic um ethnical term that you want to use that diversifies all these people, every segment of the population I've been exposed to and related to as a direct result of the game of football. It's always over my entire 49 and now. It's been something that's united. Come in contact with. It is no longer that. It is something that is being used as something The very last vestige of hope to separate us. We cannot allow that. If you love this game, as I do, I breathe, I function daily, basically, premise that the NFL will long endure. Uh, All jokes aside. We cannot allow people to derail what this game means to us and what this this sport means to us. If these guys want to, shit, honest to God, truth, I support these guys and their right to protest. I really do. I don't agree with them in any way, shape, form, or fashion for their right to do so. The American flag, to me, means way, way, way more and different than what these guys are protesting. And I'm going to leave it at that. And with that, I will say this from henceforth and forevermore. Boy, that was grammatically a, a train wreck, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> Here at Under the Dome, we are about football. We are a way black people, white people, red and yellow and orange and pink for people of all races, socioeconomic, whatever, uh, we're a way to bring people together and we will not from this day forward, we will not address this protest or anything else involving we will not dedicate our limited airtime to addressing it period end of story thank you so much if that's a problem we appreciate you guys being a part of what we've done so far hope you change your mind in the future if you don't we're going to live
0: Alan. Uh, (laughs) I have, I told you from the get-go, I'm, I'm not going to comment on this stuff at all. Uh, there's nothing I can say that hadn't been said 10,000 times on social media, and, you know, it, it's, it's past the point of beating a dead horse. Uh, we're just, I'm just going to leave it alone. Um, guys, ladies and gentlemen, thank y'all for watching us. We went way over tonight. I know we were running late to begin with, uh, but... Uh, thank you all for sticking with us all this time, and hopefully we come back from jolly old England with another win, and we reset the season at 2-2, two and two, uh, and then we have a bye week the following week. So let's, uh, let's just enjoy the game for the game itself. Put the other stuff out of your mind. Uh, just go straight and enjoy the game, um, and we'll see you next time on Under the Dome. Good night, everybody.